Welcome to episode two of Adventures in Autism. I'm Megan Carranza, the host, and I'm so excited to be doing this. Um, I'm already getting some really great feedback about episode one, which is so wonderful and awesome. Um, And today I'm really excited because I have my first guest on. Uh, I have another wonderful mother coming on to talk with me. Her name is Natasha. And I'm super excited to share her with you guys because she is, she's amazing. She's awesome. I know she's going to be very inspiring. Um, So let me get her on the line. Natasha. Megan. Hello. Hello. (laughs) You're here. I am. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be talking to you. Um, I just want to give a little backstory. So Natasha and I have never met in person. <laughs> my sister actually connected us. She had met Natasha um, when she was living in New York, and that's where Natasha is now. Um, so we we just connected talking about our sons um, and everything that we were going through with our guys. Um, and I'm going to let Natasha kind of get started and sort of give us a little backstory um, about her and her amazing son, Mason. Well, um, yeah. So your sister contacted me and said, um, I, I have a sister and her son um, has um behaviors or uh, they're getting a, fo- a formal. I don't think you had a formal diagnosis didn't. yet. That was before diagnosed yeah yeah and uh uh, they they might be similar to mason and i said well we should you know talk because as most parents know uh when we feel like something is wrong with our children it's the scariest time ever and no one uh no one should feel alone so that was the main reason i immediately said just have her call me because i um around two and a half, maybe just before Mason, maybe just before that round, around two, I started noticing that other uh, kids were talking. And up until that point, we had met all of uh, our milestones. I mean, he was following along with baby Einstein. He was, you know, cat, bowl, go, high, but he wasn't applying them unless the movie was like in front of his face. Okay. And other uh, children, especially one that he was playing with, his best little buddy that, you know, uh, he's best friends with this uh, boy that was his roommate in the hospital when he was born. <laughs> and this, but I attribute it also to this little boy had started preschool. Mm-hmm. And be, yeah, and Mason hadn't been in preschool. I, you know, was able to take care of him at home and um, boys start late a lot of boys develop late we you know so we waited and around two just before two and a half I was like I think there might be something wrong here Mm -hmm. so you know uh, I started investigating early intervention and um, there was a lot of pushback from everybody he's fine he's you know everything's fine with him he's healthy he's you know um, physically everything was fine. He was, you know, doing everything that a toddler would do. And so, you know, this was clearly just me being paranoid, but around three, 
he still wasn't speaking um, or trying to talk, really. I mean, he was hi, bye, you know, mama, dad, mm -hmm. but none, none of the things that his peers were doing. So I started investigating early intervention, but it took, by the time the paperwork and everything went through, um, you know, he, he was almost aged out. Right. So we went right to the next step, which was, okay, we got to, you know, CPSC and getting services and getting at home services. And, you know, uh, we got speech therapy coming, coming to our house and mm -hmm. we had see it services come to our house and uh, it was uh, clear to them. They said, there's something, we don't know what it is. Um, no one mentioned autism to us. It was something developmental. We heard um, global delay. Okay. I remember hearing that too in the beginning. Yeah. So we heard global delays across the board. And, you know, Mason was born early. He wasn't like in a NICU, but he was born early and he had a small, um, he was, uh, whoa, how, how much was he? He was four pounds. 11 ounces. Oh, I just been that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So he was really tiny. Yeah. Um, when we left the hospital, he was five, three, five pounds, three ounces. Oh my goodness. So he was a little peanut yeah. so that, you know, we thought that might be something too, but we were trying to investigate all these options. And, um, but the, the speech therapist that we had in the see it was just like, he needs now he needs to be in a special needs preschool. The sooner, the better, because he needs to be around other children. He needs to be in like uh, getting services on a regular basis. And he needs to get acclimated to a classroom now, because if you don't do it now and he just, you know, put him into kindergarten, this is, you know, it's going to be torture for this poor kid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it was very hard. I had my own battles with getting services as we all do mm -hmm. extreme battles awful battles um to my caseworker thinking that I was trying to get at the time there wasn't a universal health care from uh, daycare so we which we have now so you could get free preschool but at the time my caseworker was like there's nothing wrong with your son you're just trying to get free preschool and she's Louise. Oh my God. I know. I know. It was so awful. And um, so on my own, I went and uh, went to every special needs preschool in New York City and took tours and asked if there was placement. And then finally found one. And my caseworker, I brought my speech therapist that they had supplied me with, and I see it. And they were so kind that they came in with me to deal with this very obnoxious and aggressive caseworker and we all sat down and I was like there's something wrong with my son and he needs to be in preschool and he needs to be in a special needs preschool and we need it to start it it, it should have started six months ago okay. I, you know I have one placement left I have one school that is holding a spot for me please let us go mm -hmm. and he finally agreed to it and so we started at uh, the Kennedy Child Study Center in New York City, uh, which is a great, 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 great school. I can't say enough about that place. Aww. And we started our preschool journey in a special needs preschool with um, children that had all different types of disabilities. It wasn't just uh, 
there was global delays, uh, there was autism, there was ADHD, there was a Down syndrome. It ran the gamut, but okay. they, it was a small classroom size. I think mm-hmm. there was eight children in his class and uh, two teacher, a teacher and two aides. Okay. So eight to one to one. Yeah, that's pretty much what what we had here also. It's so interesting to hear the differences, you know, like state to state. Um, cause it does seem like, I mean, I don't know if this is all over New York, but it, you did get like so much pushback and it was so hard for you just to get him into school, which is like so ridiculous to me. Yeah. I mean, it was a process. I mean, they were, I got what they were saying. And I remember I said that to the, the caseworker, I remember saying like, I understand that, you know, there's policy and procedure, but I've done your policy and procedure. I have had the people come to my house. I've had mm-hmm. the therapist to my house. I've had the seats come to my house. They're all saying he needs this. I am saying he needs this. He is not, you know, he's almost four years old now and he is not conversationally speaking or attempting to. Mm-hmm. There is something wrong here. Please, as a mother, please, because I knew that she yeah. could help me. Like, yeah. you know, and at the same time in my own relationship, it was, you know, very hard because it was something very hard for a lot of people um, in my family to no one wanted to believe anything was wrong. Okay. And I remember having to sit down and um, which is like, you know, for a mom, when you're scared because you don't know what's going on, the worst thing in the world is pushback of any kind, be it from a caseworker, be it from family, you know, it's like you have enough on your plate because you're terrified. Because right. you have this beautiful, healthy baby toddler, but it's your baby, and you, yeah. you know, someone you love more than anything in the world, you know, and you just want to, you can't, you know, you, you don't necessarily want to fix it. You just want to make it better, whatever it is. You want to find out what it is. You want to, right. You know. So I remember sitting down and having a conversation saying, listen, if everybody is right, and tomorrow my son wakes up, and he says, hi, mom and dad. And he's made full circle and he is talking and he's engaging with other children and he's doing everything that it's just, you know, been an age hiccup and he's needed to catch up. I will be so thrilled to be wrong. Of course. <laughs> I will. That's the dream. I, yeah, I will be the, the happiest person on the planet. Yes. But if that doesn't happen, then we are wasting time. Yeah. And getting him services is not going to hurt him at this age. Getting him services, in fact, might help push him yeah. forward because right now we're at hitting a wall. And so I guess when I phrased it that way, everyone started to come on board. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was just because I had stopped panicking. Maybe because for the first <laughs> time I was just, please hear me. Please support me you know, please give me ever all like, you know, help me, help me help him. I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Cause it's like, you get all this conflicting opinion. Like, you know, I had like our pediatrician saying, Oh, you know, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Like you said, boys are, boys are a little bit slower. And on the one hand, it's like, you want to believe that so bad. <laughs> you want to believe that. that. Our pediatrician said yeah. the same thing. Oh Yeah. You want to believe that. that. Yeah. That everything's fine. Um, But, and then on the other hand, I had, I had almost the opposite 
where I felt like I had certain family members saying like, mm, no, something's up. And so it was like, you, you have that internal struggle of like, okay, you know, this person saying this, this person saying that. But for me, it was like, the most important thing was my gut was just telling me that something was up. Yeah. And that was and I think that's kind of what you're talking about too when it's like you your mother's instinct you know you know yeah. the same way as they get older you know like I know across the playground when something has happened right <laughs> yeah I mean? like yeah. no something's gone on and it's yeah it's a pretty powerful force but you know what it's the same like in life I think that we never you know, on a daily basis, we don't trust our gut gut instinct as much as we, you know, should. Yeah. When it comes to motherhood, there's just something, especially when they're so little and they can't, they can't help themselves. And they're not verbal. Yeah. Like you are really their, their voice at this point. So much their voice. And, and it's so hard too, because, um, not on top of the pediatricians. Oh my God. I'm sure you got this too. How many people came up to you and said, my friend's cousin didn't speak until he was seven. He's fine. He's totally <laughs> fine. He's fine now. Einstein didn't speak until he was right. third grade. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> really? It was a little bit different for me because my, my younger brother had a speech delay and he was later diagnosed with ADD, but like he, he really did just have a delay. Basically he had a little bit of like fine motor delay. Um, but he did not say a word until he was three years old. And so my mom who is like so great and supportive and awesome. Um, I remember there was, she would always be like comparing him back to my brother. Like, Oh, well, you know, Matt, Matt didn't do this. And she was trying to comfort me. But I remember one day, like I was, just, you know, in, in a panic or in a tizzy, like how you were saying. And, and I said to him, but mom, what if he never talks? And I could tell that like that resonated with her because she was just kept in her mind thinking like, oh, he's, he's going to be like Matt, he's going to be like your brother. Um, and that's when it's like, you know, like, yeah, so-and-so might have a, a friend or a sibling or whatever who didn't speak, but we're not talking about them. We're talking about my kid. Yeah. And it's different. <laughs> well, I also, I also, until I went to the school, I had never met every, every person in my circle that had a child. They were fine. There was yeah. nothing wrong. You know, mm-hmm. they were dealing with temper tantrums or terrible right. twos or so-and-so was biting, but like not what I was going through. Like I was the only parent that I knew and it was so lonely. It's so isolated. Yeah. yeah. It is. And then I, uh, and in my son's school, 95% of the kids were bussed in mm-hmm. but my son. And, and I mean, God bless those families. I'm not judging what they do, but for me, how am I supposed to put my nonverbal son on a bus? What if something happens? He can't tell me. Yeah. You know? And I refuse to do it. So I took two subways and walked every single day to get my son to school and then would pick him up every day. I think my husband in, for, for a year and a half, because that was what was left of the program before we mm-hmm. had to go to kindergarten. My husband did it uh, one, one time when mm-hmm. I couldn't do it. And I remember him 
going, oh my God, <laughs> I don't know how you've been doing this every day. Every day. Yeah. And I've just been like, you do it because you do it. You yeah. Know? Because once he started school, everything started, uh, the special needs preschool, everything changed. Everything changed for us. Well, that's what I'm excited to talk about with you also, because um, Mason to me is like a just complete success story. I mean, he is. uh, (laughs) Yeah. So Natasha and I are friends on Facebook. Like I said, we haven't we've never met in person, but we're like kindred spirits. Um, But her her son, I mean, I see all her posts on Facebook and I mean, he's just a rock star, like truly. Um, Okay, so talk about that then, like how how things start. So so I still had to fight for services, which was kind of crazy because you're in a special needs preschool, but you still at the time you still had to fight for the services that you receive in special needs preschool. Mm -hmm. So we had started with just what I was allotted um, from uh, the pat little like, yeah, the the, what what was given to me at home. So we started at the special needs preschool with just with uh, just speech. And I was like, he needs occupational therapy because his fine motor skills are delayed because of everything's not connecting. Mm-hmm. So we finally got occupational therapy and um, I noticed his balance was a little off as well. And so we finally got physical therapy. So mm-hmm. I had all that. Um, and then I was so, so blessed. This is like, uh, I still am in touch with her. The school psychologist uh, was this woman, wonderful, amazing woman named Anna Hernandez. And she was so patient and so kind to me because I realized that um, we should have been in the special needs school uh, for at least two years, but I realized that we were only going to be in it for one. And then uh, we're going to have to start kindergarten because of Mason's birthday is in uh, October 22. And the cutoff, I think, was December 1st, which is ridiculous. I mean, I knew I could. She said, you know, there are some parents that fight, but, you know, most of the time you're going to lose. So just, you know, we have to make start making plans now for for kindergarten. Mm -hmm. So I was in her office every single day researching um, what what, what's the next steps? What are we going to do here? What you Mm -hmm. know? And. Uh, that was when it was like, okay, well, there's in New York City, there's a thing for special, like for the eight to one classes with eight kids, classes with 10 children, classes with six children, uh, the very uh, severe cases, classes of four children. It's for the public school system. It's called District 75. Okay. Then you have the private schools, but in order and which are amazing and you walk through them and they're gorgeous and they're the top of the line therapists and they have programs that are like social skills and life skills. And you're like, Oh my God, this is amazing. This is where I want my child to go. Mm -hmm. And you're taking a tour with 50 parents. And at the end of the tour, the tour guide says we have six slots available and you know that 500 for these six slots. And then on top of that, you, uh, the tuition for these schools, the cheapest one in New York city is $67,000 a year. That's what I was going to say. I can't even fathom that. And then you have all these really well-intentioned souls that haven't done their research that go, Oh, well, um, you can sue the board of education and get all your money back. 
Well, yes, you can. Yes and no, because you 100% getting your money back isn't guaranteed. And they're on such a backlog right now of getting the money back to the families that they're now asking for a lot of the special needs schools in, in New York City. They're asking for the tuition for the first two years up front. So parents are actually... Um, Morging their house, getting uh, yeah. How do you pay that? Like ninety thousand dollars, and oh my god! And then on top of everything else, you have to. Your child has to have a neuropsych evaluation, and um, our neuropsych, uh, w- it's not covered by our health insurance, so that's five thousand dollars. Oh my gosh, ours was covered, and I think it was still like four. <laughs> yeah. yeah, ours wasn't. So I think we ended up uh, when all was said and done, we ended up playing, I think, like seventy five hundred dollars. And and so we got our you know, I went and and I remember talking to Anna and she's just like, well, try, just try get the neuropsych done because this the what he's going to get in these private schools is 10 times better than the district 75 schools I've um I've, you know, I've known a lot of them where there are some okay district 75 schools for the most part. It, it's very hard. They're very hard schools. They're very abrasive and it's, you know, it's not like this. And I was like, oh, you know, and I, so I went, I did my due diligence. I, yeah. you know, I went to all these private schools and I took tours of district 75 schools. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were awful. They were just oh. terrifying to me. So we went and got Mason and, you know, did a nurse like, mm-hmm. and uh, hello, you there? I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was a weird sound. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we went and got his neuropsych. And I remember Anna saying, well, the very least, you know, finally he'll have a diagnosis because at this point we had still had global delays across the board, possible auditory processing disorder. And the unfortunate thing about auditory processing disorder is um, you are, you can't really test for it till the child is seven. Okay. Um, sometimes eight because they just don't feel that the brain is properly developed enough to make that. Okay. So that's kind of what we were going on. So, um, we did the neuropsych for two months. We had, um, we went to NYU Langone, which was, you know, really supposed to be really great. And the two doctors that we had were wonderful, but at the end of the two months, they were like, everything is inconclusive because Mason was starting to speak and, you know, he was social and he was making eye contact. And he was starting to do things that, you know, um, his peer group was doing. But at the same time, speech was not readily forthcoming, like communi- like how you and I speak, how, you know, kids start to try to put I words in a sentence. Like the first time we spoke that it, he was like repeating like TV shows. Like that was how he started talking, right? Scripting. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is very common um, scripting. But yeah, so he was memorizing completely and still does it to this day. He still does it because it's his safe place Yes, um, to script uh, okay. to and insert dialogue because it's someone else's words and words are still not readily forthcoming for him. Yeah. I mean, he still I mean, actually, that's not actually that's not a good thing. He, a conversation is not like he searches for his words and he searches for things to say and he can hold a conversation with Mason, but it has to be, you know, kind of chunked up 
and slow. So his safe place is he wants to engage and he wants to be entertaining and he wants to make sure that you're still happy to talk to him. So he starts saying stuff from movies. It's scripting. It makes, it makes so much sense. Oh, it totally does. Mm -hmm. He knows, um, he knows that his conversation skills are, are basic. I mean, like he doesn't know the word basic, but he knows. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so back to the neuropsych, uh, so we can just finish up there. But uh, he, so they brought in an autism specialist and this woman, we were allowed to watch the um, testing uh, Mm -hmm. through like a two-way mirror kind of thing. We were in a thing. And this woman started by putting a camera in front of my son's face. And it was just a, t- a desk with two chairs. And then she dumped out a box of toys on the floor. And he's like not even four yet. Mm-hmm. And she obviously hadn't read his IEP. Uh, not as, sorry, not as if he didn't have an IEP that he, she hadn't read his case. And she had not, she was talking to him like he was a verbal child. Yeah. And she started testing him. Like he, you know, like a verbal child, but the testing things that she was doing to him, actually, like she was, she'd dump out puzzle pieces and my son loves puzzles. So he started putting the puzzles together and then through the two-way mirror, we'd watch her surreptitiously take two puzzle pieces and put them in her pocket. And then he'd finish the puzzle and she'd be like, what's wrong, Mason? What's wrong here? Now you have a child that goes to preschool, puzzle pieces get miss you know go missing all the time yeah everything that was on the table and he would just like he tapped to the space but he didn't get upset about it he just tapped to the space and she was like use your words oh my god i I probably would have jumped through the glass but i kind of wanted to and then (laughs) she took a note and then she you know proceeded she wanted to do something with the toy but that toy was broken so she sent her assistant out to get a new toy the second toy was broken then she got frustrated that this toy was broken and she continued to try to do some testing with him and mason just got not frustrated yeah i guess but no he was done and i don't blame him so what he did which actually made me laugh really hard was he took his chair and he pulled it over to the door and she said mason come back to the table we're not done testing yet and he went no i'm sleepy (laughs) and then proceeded to do a series of cartoon snores which to me was hilarious right and I remember my husband going well there's your son you know and I'm just like and I remember thinking you know if I had to deal with this lady I'd pretend to be asleep too and then she got yeah then she got very frustrated she was like bring the mother in he's not paying attention so I came in I said Mason you have to go back to the desk and he saw me and he was like oh mom wants me to go back to the desk I'll go back to the desk so I think she did two more things and then she brought us into a room and she said, well, your son is severely autistic. Does this surprise you? And my, both my husband and I looked at her and said, well, what are you basing this on? And she was like, well, I blew some bubbles in the air and he didn't seem to uh, want to pay attention to bubbles and all kids love bubbles. And I remember thinking, yeah, but you also dumped a box of toys on the floor. <laughs> he was looking at the toys just before you blew the bubbles. And I was like, well, what else? And she goes, well, I think that we should just more talk about what, 
your son is probably never going to achieve in this lifetime. And she proceeded to tell me that my son was never going to be able to speak to me. He was never going to potty train. He was never going to learn to read or write. And he was never going to be able to be in a classroom of children of more than 10. And I remember looking at her going, wow, you got all of that during this time. But the two doctors working with him found everything to be inconclusive. Are you? Okay. So I remember just saying, taking a deep breath. And she goes, you seem very upset. I said, I'm not very upset. And my husband said, well, you're the doctor. If you, you know, he's very sarcastic. He said, well, you're the doctor, right? Like if this is your diagnosis, well, I guess we just need it on a piece of paper. And I said, absolutely. I just like to see it on a piece of paper because I knew that we could maybe possibly get some more services from this. But I mean, did I agree with her diagnosis? A hundred percent not because I saw my son. I saw my son and uh, when he would look at me at four, he was trying so hard to communicate yeah. and he was so frustrated that he couldn't figure out how to get his mouth to move. Mm-hmm. So I remember making a pact with myself in that room that from that point on, we were going to get him as many services as we could get that would help him find his words but I was never going to put him in a box and I was never going to put limitations and I was never going to say he was never not going to do something. And that is how we have lived our lives since then. And I think that us living our lives like that, and unfortunately I think that a lot of these tests that are done with children with special needs, um, a lot of the parents are just like we were like when you start, you're just so desperate. You just want an answer. Yeah. And they pay so much attention to the doctor's diagnosis as opposed to, cause now, okay, that's final. Well, the doctor said it, you know, so now they know and they can compartmentalize. And if you have money, well, then you can go and you can pay for a very fancy school and that, you know, the work here is done. And if behaviors happen, well, that's because of this, not because of, something that maybe a typical four-year-old would do. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so I guess that that's been our, our journey. What happened with us is that we didn't get into any of the appropriate public, uh, sorry, um, um, private, private school. Okay. We, and, uh, I was in no way going to put my son in a district 75 school. Um, there are a lot of parents that have their children in different service five schools. And I know that they would be horrified because maybe, but I, I just, at the time for me, the ones that I had taken a tour with were just horrific. Mm-hmm. You know? um, so I decided, well, I'm going to have to make the same case to the public school system that I've made for myself. Um, Mason was actually in a class at, at that time. They added more kids to his class and, there was kids that had a lot of really very um, aggressive behaviors and things like that. So I figured, okay, there's such a thing as a 12 to one class in the public school system. Um, He's used to going to school and a lot of noise. We could do 12 to one. Mm -hmm. Absolutely can do 12 to one. And that will take him out of district five and district 75 and put him in a, in a, in a public school, like a 
and okay. you know general education public school instead of a special needs uh, public school okay so I remember doing that but then I started to find out that uh, the board of education had dismantled 75 percent of the 12 to 1 classes in New York City they're very rare to find a school that had a 12 to 1 class oh, wow. and there would be none that would be near our house and there would be there was a lot there were in like uh, unsafe areas but nothing so I did a little bit more work and I heard about the ICT the integrated co-teaching classes which that which means it's a class of kids general education kids kids that are typically developing mm-hmm. and with children with special needs and there's a special education teacher in the room at all times and a general education teacher in the room at all times and there could be a teacher's assistant and you could get a para so I thought okay well we're gonna have to we're gonna have to try for that yeah a para is like a, a personal aid for anyone who's not a paraprofessional yeah. that's right someone who's with your child all day right at okay. school um as opposed to a see it that you would get, which is a person that uh, spends part of the day with your child in a school setting, like one or two hours. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, so we started our, our public school battle to make that happen for him. And we hit a bu- bunch of bumps in the road. Of course. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, the first year kindergarten, uh, he was in a class of 33 children. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, with a paraprofessional who the first week of school chased me down the block saying, your son is very different than other children and he doesn't belong here. And that was his paraprofessional. Oh my word. I said, well, yeah, no, but it, you're right. He's very different than other children, which is why he has a paraprofessional. Yeah you know, which is why you're here. So here's a way to communicate with them. Let him get acclimated. Let him get his school routine as all children need. And then come back and tell me if he doesn't belong here. Mm-hmm. And I had to repeat the same conversation with his kindergarten teacher who also said the same thing. You know, I've seen kids like this. He's going to have a really tough time. Have you really considered district 75? You know what he could, he could really benefit from a 12 to one program. And I said, I a hundred percent agree with you that 12 to one program with 12 kids and one teacher would be amazing, Mm -hmm. but uh, there's not one available. Mm -hmm. This is it. So we're going to have to make this work. Mm -hmm. And we're flash forward to uh, fourth grade. And my son is reading, he's writing, he's potty trained, clearly. (laughs) Um, He has friends. He performs in the school dance recital in front of 500 people. He performs in front of the the school opera in front of a full auditorium full of people. He does music class. He does drama class. He does this all with 30 kids in his class. He is, I mean, I can't even tell you how, how much hope whenever I see all these amazing things that Mason is doing, um, it just, it, it makes my soul so happy, honestly, um, because first of all, I'm just so happy for you and thinking back to that 
autism specialist who said, your son will never do this and never do that. How you didn't strangle her, I don't know. But to yeah. think to think that that was, you know, the, the prognosis that someone gave you. And, you know, just a few short years later, I mean, what what an amazing success story. Right. Well, you know, but we still... Don't get me wrong. You know, it's still oh, conversations are still, like, you know, I get it and I will totally take it because yeah. to me, my son is also my, 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 he's my everything. Yeah. He's my joy. He's my pride. I, um, he's you know, but your only, we had, I've, what, like, sorry. I, I, well, I, wish I should mention that he's your only child. So he is like your, he really is like, <laughs> yeah. he is yeah. the apple of mama's eye for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, I mean, but we, we still have him out. I mean, he gets services in school. Mm-hmm. Uh, he still gets speech therapy. He no longer needs physical therapy. He receives occupational therapy. Um, he still has, uh, like, for example, this summer, we conquered tying our shoes huge awesome huge yeah huge our shoes but what the pro what we found out is that he can't uh when he bends down to tie his shoes he falls over to the right okay here's a child yeah so here's a child that knows he can tie his shoes and then he's trying desperately to hold his foot up and reach them and it's very frustrating so we've been working on that with ot i mean we'll conquer it we'll Mm -hmm. get to it I'm still so proud that he knows how to tie a bow, yeah. his, you know, yeah. um, and we've had uh, word speech therapy, but he's working on stuff in speech now, like learning uh, proper pronouns, learning past tense and present tense, learning to, um, you know, uh, to just uh, be more uh, precise with his, you know, uh, pronunciation of things. We're no longer trying to get the words out because mm-hmm. the words are out. I mean, it, the I was thinking about that when we were coming from home from the park today. Um, I was watching him play tag with uh, four other kids in the park. And um, I remember watching him go over to them going like, hey, guys, guys, are we still playing? <laughs> because they had stopped and they were doing something else. And, you know, and I saw him just you know, ask that question. I went, wow, we've come so far just that he's asking, you know, yes. on the way home, he's like, mom. And I'm like, yes, Mason. He's like, I love you. And I remember thinking, man, I remember a time when I thought I would never hear him say that. That is like so the- lucky. I'm just so lucky. And I feel lucky, but I mean, I know, Cause I know how hard he tries and I know how hard, you know, do you get this? Here's one thing that kind of annoys me. Yes. I do do a lot of things for my son. Mm -hmm. I do do homeschool in the summer. I do make sure I'm on top of his therapies. Mm -hmm. Yes. I did become, I did go get certified with the department of education to become a special needs parent advocate. So I can stay on top of, everything that's like, like a whole other story. Lot. I'll have to have another episode with you where we can talk about that whole thing too <laughs> yeah well, you know but you know and I do do all these things but it's your child right yeah. you fight for your kids okay. you fight for them regardless so the thing that I get a lot is just like uh 
you know, you're just the most fantastic, phenomenal mother. And I don't know why it irks me so much. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I, because yeah. I, I, I guess, cause I've seen my son and I just feel like, no, he's an amazing kid. Yeah. He's overcome so much mm-hmm. and he's still overcoming so much. I'm just his mom. Yeah. I love him. Mm-hmm. You know, I had him. I gave birth to him. I love him. I'm just doing what I'm supposed to be doing as his mother. Mm-hmm. I think I, I know exactly what you mean because it doesn't, it doesn't bother me when people say that so much as. I mean, it's nice. Don't get me wrong. Who doesn't want to be complimented, but course. you know what I mean? Yeah. But I think it's one of those things where it's just like, you, you really, you just don't know what you don't know. And I think that, you know, from the outside looking in, I think it looks like, you know, just, it, it looks really hard and it, and it is hard, but I think what people don't understand people who, you know, don't, don't have a child special needs is that like, like how you just said, like, he's, he's your, your everything. And my hero yes yes he's your hero for sure that's that's how I feel about Logan too he's my hero and I think that you know when you when all you have are perfectly you know healthy neurotypical children you just can't picture that kind of life because you it's so foreign to you you know and I think that like that's kind of where people are coming from when they when they say stuff like that because they they feel like you know they just can't they can't relate to it I what what always is funny to me is people are like oh I don't, I don't know how you do it and I'm like well he's my kid like that's, <laughs> what choice do I have what it. do you mean yeah exactly you're right you're right I should you know what I haven't <laughs> thought about that I'm just gonna go institutionalize him yeah right <laughs> or I'm gonna go myself I'm, I'm just gonna you know walk out the door and never come back I mean like you yeah. yeah that that kind of thing like oh my gosh like you you're so strong and I'm like I'm not that strong. I cry a lot. Like, trust me. No, like, yeah, me too. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard now for me because I'm watching other kids get older and watching things come easier to them, the things that are Mason's still struggling with. Mm-hmm. And I'm terrified because we're also in a, you know, a society where I think that children are uh, forced to become older than they should be. Yeah we're so lucky that the group of kids that he's actually drawn to um, has friendships with are still young minded as he is, you know, they're, they're neurotypical children, but they still like being kids. Thank goodness. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm feeling like, okay, so I have to like, you know, it's hard when you have a child with special needs because even though, and I, and that I should be clear, we still haven't put on Mason's paperwork for school. We've never put autism on his paperwork. Mm-hmm. And I have gotten a lot of pushback actually from a lot of the special needs moms that have been like, you know, you probably life would be much more easier for you if you had that as a diagnosis instead of um, uh, what did we have, uh, you know, instead of like the diagnosis of uh, across the board global you know, delays. Um, we have, you know, other, uh, there's all the classifications that you can have. So it's yeah. just, it's not specific. And I, I, 
it's not that I am denying that there are so many things that children on the spectrum that my son does or that he probably, if we did have, if we probably went and got a neuropsych now, I would say that they probably, you know, which is another thing that I can't stand is like the high end and the low end of the spectrum. They oh, would, you know, people ask me that all the time. I know. I like, you know, is he brain or is he, you know, in a helmet banging right. his head against the wall? You know, and, and like that's all the reference. And I guess the reason I've never re-sought out a, a formal diagnosis for my son is because I, I thought that wouldn't change what we're doing. Right. It wouldn't change any of the therapies that he's had. All it would change is it would give him a label that would make some people feel better because then then they just it means something to them. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything to me. It doesn't mean when I hear that a child has autism or Asperger's or ADHD or ADD, you know, anything, I, it doesn't change how I look at them. I still look at them as a child that's going to grow yeah, and change and a la- labeling someone, uh, I don't know. So that's where we are. I mean, I feel like the label that he has um, gets us enough services for school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then as we as he grows and as he gets older, if I think, okay, maybe we need to get a formal diagnosis because it might make maybe schooling as we get older easier or to get other services, then maybe I might go and seek it out. Mm-hmm. But as we are right now, uh, we just, he has special needs. Yeah. I have has special needs because I don't know two children with autism that are alike. It's so true. I don't know two children with Asperger's that are like, I don't know two children with down syndrome that are alike. Well, do you know two children that are completely neurotypical that are alike? I mean, like it's, that's just it is that it's like, we we're all such different individuals and regardless of the label, you're you're dealing with a different kid every time and that's just it but don't you find when you say to someone that uh, uh, that logan has autism it's almost like this aha moment for him oh that's why he did just that well what what if um you know uh, what if he just got stung by a bee and you thought he was stimming you know what i mean yeah it's like it it's to me i'm just kind of um I think we're, we are proud members of the special needs community. I will yeah. fight for any parent that comes up and asks for me to advocate for with them, regardless of the diagnosis. Yeah. You know, we, we have a child with special needs. That's where we are. And mm-hmm. he's going to grow and change and develop and change. And I'm just going to let him do it. And then if we, you know, if he decides he is working. So I say you just keep on keeping on. Uh, Personally for me, I, I don't, I don't mind giving him the label of autism because I know without a shadow of a doubt that he has autism. (laughs) That's just not, that's not a negotiable thing. And I also feel like to me, and I, I mean, like, I, I completely respect where you're coming from and I totally see what you're saying. Um, but to me, it was like as much. And I talked about this in episode one, like we, we knew that the diagnosis was coming, but the diagnosis didn't change anything. It didn't change the fact that 
Logan was still Logan. He was still my son and he still is today and he always will be. Um, but for us, I do think that, and again, we, you know, things are so different in New York and just in every state. Um, it, it was definitely helpful for us to, to get the, uh, to get the diagnosis, because like I said, the, the district that we're in now, if he didn't have the, the diagnosis, I don't know if he would even, I, this is like a whole other story to get into, but I had, I also like was touring schools trying to figure out the best placement for him. And he, he is in a special education classroom within a regular school, like a totally general population school setting. So he's able to like get pulled in with the other kindergartners, like the neurotypical kindergartners throughout the day to do, uh, you know, like lunch or recess or yeah which if if we didn't have the diagnosis um I don't I don't know what that would look like to be honest with you I don't know if he would just get like totally lumped in with special education or if he would on the other end like get totally lumped in with gen ed and be like so far behind like it's just it was helpful for us to get the diagnosis and I think that you using the label of autism to me, I feel like it's, it's the answer to a lot of questions that if we didn't have it would not only be confusing for other people, but for us too. Like, I feel like it was something that like, we all kind of, we all kind of needed to be able to like move forward. I get that. I think that if we had had, if the two doctors that had worked with Mason, who I thought were fantastic, um, if the two doctors that had worked with him for two months had come back and said, this is the diagnosis, I think our lives, nothing would have changed. Like you right. said, we right. still love him. We would still be doing what we're doing. But I think that we would have said, oh, okay. All right. You've, you've seen him enough. You've worked with him enough. Mm-hmm. You've done the right testing. But because they were, I don't know. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. this is like, you know, and then the specialist and when we, and then they asked us about the specialist and how we felt. And I told her exactly. She was like, that just sounds awful. Yeah. And I said, I said, it does sound awful. And what, on top of everything else is awful. It costs us an extra thousand dollars. Exactly. Yeah. You know? And so I think that if, you know, and I hear what you're saying. I think that in a lot of ways, it probably um, is confusing for uh for some uh people that are like well what is what is it that he has you know what is it and um and uh but i guess yeah you know i mean i'm not <laughs> i'm not like i'm not i don't cuz i feel cuz like i i think that i would totally i guess i just accepted mason as just being a special needs child with um, definitely has quirks and things that are definitely on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. He definitely does the scripting. He definitely had the delay in speech, mm-hmm. but then he has stuff that he's just, you know, growing in leaps and bounds. Mm-hmm. And um, his speech therapist thinks that he thinks that he has, you know, auditory processing oh. uh, disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, and not a, not a typical auditory processing disorder where the sensory overload is so, you know, because he's moved past um, all of his sensory issues pretty much. So it's just kind of my son, I guess I just find um, 
I guess my hesitation on putting that the uh, autism label in on him is that I don't want uh, I, I don't want it to be you know, that we ignore the other things. Like, I don't want it to be just like, okay, he, he's autistic and that's why he's doing this instead of, uh, that could be auditory processing. This could be, you know, um, gross, gross motors. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, uh, if, if I think that if we had had, I think that if I had taken him to a doctor now and, you know, uh, that I loved and that had worked with him appropriately. And the doctor said, you know, Natasha, I mean, I think that he has definitely has some auditory processing. He has this, but I mean, I would characterize your son as autistic. I would accept it, but I just think that we're just, we're watching him grow and expand and do all these wonderful things. And we've never hit a wall. Right. This keeps on, um, you know, doing things that are amazing, insane, amazing things. And, you know, and he's and, a trailblazer, and <laughs> you have just in your own path, and it's working. So I would never want anybody in 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 the autism community to think that I was, you know, denying, uh, you know, who my son is. because no, certainly not. I, you know, I I you yeah. know I hope that I'm not coming across that way because I would be the first to be like, you know, it would. But I think it was just that very confusing first neurocyte. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, right? It would have been maybe it would have made that life much easier for you know it, for you even because it it's hard for me to you know have a conversation. Other than with when people go, well, what is it that your son has? I remember I usually say, well, you know, he didn't really speak until he was five, and he has a lot of global delays. He was like born early. You know, I get into that a little bit, and then I just go, but you know, he's 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 Mason. And I think that's what I always just say, but he's just his own person. Yeah. I mean, with special needs. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I would never deny the special needs aspect. No, no. He's just fine. No. I, I, I mean, you you know your, your child best and you are just doing what you, what feels right to you. And no one, no one can deny that. And like I said, it's obviously working. Mason is doing amazing. Um, and I'm just, I'm, I'm so happy, like I said, I'm so happy for you guys, but it also, I, to see all his progress, honestly, it just gives me so much hope because I just, I see that and I'm like, okay, we can get there. We can get there. What'd you say? How is Logan's speech? It's, um, it's improving like literally every day. It's definitely, we're, we're getting somewhere now where it's like, I can honestly see him getting to the point where he, he could be conversational, uh, which is like, obviously the end goal. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the words that he's using now, he's able to use much more consistently um, and he's able to use them properly and appropriately. Uh, so, I mean, we're, I'm, I'm thrilled with the progress that he's been making. I think that this year, especially with him being in kindergarten now and having full-time school is going to be a big, a big change for him. Cause the classroom that he's in, I, th- I think it's, so there's eight students and there's one teacher, but then there's two aides, like two paras in the classroom. So um, they're, they're very hands-on. And then there's, there's two days a week, there's a speech therapist in the classroom and then like the OTs there another day a week. So 
he's he is just like I think gonna be like a sponge this year and just like absorbing all of that because then again he comes home and he does more therapy so that's like a rock star see because like I mean we 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 do full day of school and then when Mason has therapy but you know it's only for like an hour after school and then we of course we do homework and things but you know I mean three hours of therapy after school what an amazing hard he is honestly that's why I say he's my hero because he is like he's he's just such a hard worker and the like first week of school with the new speech therapist at school that was the note that she wrote home. She was just like, I'm so proud of Logan. He he's working so hard. And that's like, to me, I don't like the progress is amazing, but it's like, just to know that he's, he's working so hard. And I just, I just know we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Yes. Well, this was so, so great to talk to you. We went a little long, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, I, I, like I said, eventually I'll, I'll have to have in again so we can talk about you being such an amazing advocate in the schools. Um, it's just so different in, in New York than it is here. Um, but thank you so much. And I'm so happy for you and for Mason and your family. And I just, I know that he's going to keep growing and improving and progressing. And the future is very bright. Okay. I think I lost her, but that's all right. <laughs> all righty. Um, thank you everyone for, for listening to this second episode. Again, if, if anybody has anybody they would like to uh, offer to be on the podcast, if anybody is looking to be on the podcast, I'm still working on a lot of like logistical behind the scenes stuff, but um, please come my way um i am just really excited to grow this community of support for everybody and yeah have a wonderful day take care guys bye